0: Welcome to our podcast. We are the Massachusetts
1: Health Data Consortium. We are dedicated to improving the quality and availability of health data for patient care, payment, quality measurement, and public policy. In our podcasts, we will talk with innovators in health data to make sense of where and how their contributions fit.
2: I'm Denny Brennan with the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium. Many of you are working from home as we speak after having spent most of yours and our careers working inside our employers' organizations rather than outside of them. Apart from the requirements of healthcare frontline staff, nurses, physicians, clinicians, and others, Healthcare organizations have to deal, as do others, with the enormous impact that working remotely has on an organization. I'm joined today by two colleagues from Point B, Denise Bart and Kai Andrews, who are going to share their unique perspectives on not only how an organization can most effectively make the transition to working remotely, but also what this says about the future of work. Welcome everyone, I'm Denny Brennan with the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium. And uh, we're privileged today to be joined by two colleagues and members of our consortium, uh, Kai Andrews and Denise Barnt from Point B. Uh, We're gonna be talking about business continuity in this very difficult time in which we live. And we're pleased to have two individuals who have extensive experience with that so Denise maybe I'll start with you first could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about about what you bring to our discussion today
1: thank you Denny and thank you for the folks that are listening with us today and joining us my name is Denise Barnt I'm a a Point B associate based out of our Seattle office and um, I've been in the business continuity space for about 25 years Half of my experience is directly in the response um, side of things. I used to be the statewide chief of emergency operations for the state of Florida, assistant to the city manager in the city of Berkeley, where um, part of my responsibilities was also emergency management. We had s- several large uh, impacts when I was in Florida and also in uh, in Berkeley. Um, I also have moved then to the consulting side, um, thinking about impacted communities and businesses and thinking how can we support organizations to be more resilient um, to not only just respond, but also recover and thrive um, as it, as we are, you know, facing this unprecedented time right now. But with that background, um, uh, you know, hopefully I can provide the members today um, with, uh, some things to think about as as we have just been catapulted into this um, unprecedented time with COVID-19. Thank you, Denny.
2: Thank you, Denise. And Kai, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you, Denny. Hello, everyone out there. Kai Andrews here, also with Point B. Uh, I joined Denise uh, coming to you from Seattle today. And for the last decade and a half at Point B, I've been focusing a lot on collaboration, uh, enabling our companies, uh, our clients, our people to work better together, whether that means sharing content, how to communicate with one another, how to team effectively, or even how to, shall we say, build a social enterprise. Uh, It's been a passion of mine to help companies navigate those things. I have a deep technology background. I used to be a developer. Prior to that, uh, I'm a recovering CPA but I've had an interesting and storied journey through the years, and uh, it's been fun to to, to take these collaboration challenges that companies have and move into something called the future of work. Uh, It's a new practice at Point B where we take our collaboration capabilities and we combine those with what I would say the most human element of how our people work and behave, how they're led, uh, looking at physical space, and looking at, again at the technology and the tools that they deal with. And uh, that practice has been uh, very successful. And we've had just a joy of bringing those four things together and helping our clients through that. And today we'll talk a bit about remote work or flex work, which is at the heart of that future. Thanks, Danny.
2: Thank you, Kai, that's, uh, that's great. And I, I see um, a real compliment having both of you in our discussion today uh, Denise, let's start with you. Um, one of the biggest questions we hear from our members, uh, who are health plans, healthcare providers, large and small, um, about you know, this all came on so fast. Uh, what is the first thing I do? How do I get started in dealing with this, you know, unprecedented disruption to to my business? How do I go about
1: yes, from you know, reactive
2: to proactive?
1: Yeah, this is moving very fast. Um, Many organizations, you know, may or may not have a business continuity plan or a dedicated crisis management plan or or a team together. Um, So, you know, whether it's ad hoc at this point or you're, you're dusting off your plans that you haven't worked on, you haven't looked at for quite some time, probably the key thing is getting roles and responsibilities up front Um, who's in charge, so we uh, avoid uh, confusion or people going rogue or being a cowboy uh, or cowgirl um, uh, to to run things. So some clearly defined roles and responsibilities and a regular communication cadence um, is going to be important. So once that team is together, and it would be HR and various leadership um, positions, Um, finance uh, needs to be at the table, your technology leads at the table, is to come up with a very clear goal um, of what your response stance is. And um, in the payer community and in the the medical community, it should be people first, family first, then getting your business, stabilizing your business um, and um, figuring out what is your new reality of how you're going to operate And then what's your place in the community? How can you, beyond supporting your employees, um, your place in the community? If you have a supply chain, thinking about what's, you're getting, you know, those supplies, what travel restrictions are in place, and where where your people are, and of course, are your people directly impacted um, by the coronavirus uh, virus? and then, you know, are there various triggers or um, escalation points? So with, this went very fast. Usually, you look at the the levels. Um, so for most organizations, they're starting in at the highest level of response. But thinking about not only responding, uh, what we're doing now, um, is also thinking eventually all the actions that you're taking now, what are you going to do to undo those? So keeping a good decision log um, of the actions that your organization is taking around, whether it's emergency pay or emergency sick leave or emergency purchases, it's going to be important to document all those key decisions you've made because at some point you're going to have to undo that. And it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, but keeping a a track of all those major decisions you've made so you can undo them. Another key factor is, um, you know, having a group looking at um, the financial impact of this. I mean, this is real for businesses, whether you're a nonprofit, not-for-profit, or a profit, is is actually just setting up within your chart of account a a simple code um, that you can track all the extraordinary costs um, of, this, uh, of of what you're do- going through right now with COVID. Because um, as you, many of us have seen, there's massive relief efforts being discussed at the federal um, level. And for those businesses being able to identify and track those costs, there may be a way to recruit some of those extraordinary costs um and then how are you gonna you know how are you gonna maintain and sustain your operation um so even thinking about as your leadership are working through this um and you have those roles and responsibilities they're gonna have to have time to step away to deal with their family or deal with you know their day-to-day life this you can't sustain this 7 by 24 um without some degradation so understanding that you have somebody that can backfill and step in um, if there are impacts for some of your key leaders hopefully that you know gives you kind of how to get started and what are the first couple things you need to be thinking about that answer your question denny
2: yes it does denise thank you very much i think you know it's it's often the case that everyone shifts to urgency and the urgent displaces the important. Uh, it strikes me that, as you've described it, you need to be able to r- return back to the important work that you do as quickly as possible, as soon as you've taken care of the urgent requirements necessary to keep your business moving forward. So, I thought your answers and your your discussion points were very helpful, uh, but it leads uh, to some other questions we've re- we've got from members and and other other participants in the health system which is how do you know what about our people what do we do about the folks who work for us what about our office what do we do when everybody is not supposed to to be in the office they're supposed to be practicing social distancing how do i deal with policies like travel for example what are some of the best practices that you've seen denise in these areas
1: um yeah and i you know Family first, and that is your, your family of employees, so certainly the most important is protecting your people. You know, there's the health co- care protocols and what's going on in the, the clinics and the hospitals, but for those that aren't on the front line, um, you know, the ability, and we now have in, this, in Washington, California, and New York have said go to 100% remote working. Um, so what what does that mean? And um, Kai will talk about that with some of uh, um, the technology. But what are you going to do when people can't work from home because of what their frontline job is, or that they're ill? Um, so making sure that you've dealt with um, your um, those employees and what what you're going to do um, for those that unique pay situation where they. They have to care for a sick family. Um, there's been disruptions because of school closures, and they may have a small child, small children, that you know they can't be 100% productive. So making decisions about um, emergency pay or sick leave pay. Um, there are many. The Family First Act that just that just passed at the federal level gives all kind of made all kind of changes to the use of Family Medical Leave Act FMLA. Um, as well as, you know, guaranteed safe and sick leave. The HR um, departments are going to have to look through that um, and comb through that and, and come up with very clear and consistent um, leave policies, as well as leave uh, policies about the offices. So if offices are closed, um, you know, but you still have to keep your doors open because you're providing an essential service. Um, how do you you know, make those differentiations um, for extra cleaning in those common areas? Um, even, you know, somebody mentioned it to me, you know, cleaning out the refrigerators. Um, if you can't, people aren't coming into work, so you don't have that health issue down the road. Um, so even thinking about those very um, mundane things in the middle this is, is going to be quite important. Um, the travel guidelines. Um, I think that is around, you know, we now have guidance from the, at the federal level about international travel, so making sure if you have international travelers and they can't get back, um, um, how are you going to help support those folks and particularly if they have special visa issues or um, um, you have foreign nationals that are being impacted, um, you know, thinking about all your population. But those travel guidelines now. I see businesses um, starting to think about essential services um, and non-essential travel, um, and also, you know, you know, from their own, from the employees' health and safety, but also from an economic um, standpoint, do we really need to have our folks continue to travel um, on business? Um, and um, starting to think not just this quarter or the next quarter but what is this longer-term economic impact of this starting uh, starting to happen. Those are, you know, again, protecting your people, having clear and consistent uh, messaging and procedures and policies that you have identified and starting to look for where there are opportunities for savings with our business um, because this is going to be an issue that's not going away tomorrow.
2: Thank you. I think,
1: um, I think that's the high level. Um, and uh, we'll leave time for for, uh, for discussion at the end, if there's other things that have come up. So thank you, Danny.
2: You're welcome. I may get back to you about those lunches that have been left in the refrigerator. Um, it just, remind, <laughs> just reminded me that I might have some in my own office. So perhaps I have to, to go back there and clean, do some cleaning out. Um, Kai, let's turn to you. We've gotten a lot of questions. About you know, this is changing the way people work, whether they like it or not. Um, You know, for some of us, uh, office the office culture is a strong uh, working environment as well as a social environment. Uh, There is also you know the fact that there is a need to rely on technology at a greater level than than is normally the case when you can't walk down the hall and have a conversation. Now that most of the workforce is working remotely, how can we make that work as effectively as possible?
0: Yeah, Denny, I'll I'll try to cover five points here in the time that we have. And I'll try to lean into what I referred to earlier as the human element as much as possible here, because while the technology plays a role, while your physical office plays a role when you're sitting at home or wherever you may be working from right now, uh, we're seeing quickly that companies and individuals are turning to what the people need in order to get their work done and maintain a, a healthy mental state um, as they get their work done. So the, the first thing I'd like to talk about is uh, some, something Denise has already mentioned around policies. Uh, yes, there are the written policies that say, here's our expectation of you to be available for work. Here is etiquette, for example, around how to participate in meetings. These are company-wide policies that, yes, need to be in place, but then it quickly breaks down into what I call team norms or even team policies that need to be there. Let me just rattle off a couple of points here that we're seeing as being critical for teams to work well together when they cannot see each other and they're not sitting in a set of cubes together. So we should agree on communication tools, methods, and availability. Right? How often have we even at work sat there when we type an email and we wait for that response? Come on, I know your status is green, I know you should be replying to me, why aren't you? That gets even, that uh, becomes a bigger focus when we are remote. We want to know that someone's listening to us, that someone's communicating and will come back to us. So set some standards. If I Skype you or text you in Teams or in Slack, I expect this type of turnaround. If I send you an email, it's that. Let's be clear about what tool is right for the communication at hand. Meeting participation is key too. Uh, How often have you been on a call where someone dials in to a meeting and they're in the car, but you were planning on presenting a deck and you wanted to actually walk them through some very rich content. So let's set some standards around that because People will flex their time a little bit. They may be walking the dog. They've got other things surrounding them. Be clear when you need them to be present in front of a computer and when you need them to be just dialing in. Video participation is key. We've got a podcast here today. Uh, Turn on your cameras. If you're in huge meetings and there's bandwidth concerns, turn them on when you're talking and then turn them back off again. So you can be very dynamic in how you leverage that video. Um, Make sure everybody understands where content is stored. And here's an interesting one. When you are in those meetings and you're talking about that content, how about switching to 25-minute meetings, 45-minute meetings? Give people some time to decompress. So anyway, these are uh, policies, norms, that every team should be thinking through and making sure that they address. Uh, The second thing is about change management and this isn't about how do we change um, behavior at the the macro level. Again, let's talk about the individual worker and the, the support that they need and the change they should be managing in their work environment. I'm sitting here at home, I can hear my kids upstairs, I can hear my wife in the kitchen, they're making lunch right now. What about having some change norms set with the people around you here at home? Hey, I'm on work. I texted everyone, I said, I have a podcast coming up. (laughs) So there's this, right, there's this balance of of we are all living in confined quarters. So what change are you managing in your own home environment so that there's a separation between work and life? Are you sticking with your routines? What kind of change are you driving there? Manage yourself. If you used to bike in the mornings, continue biking in the mornings. If you listen to the news for 30 minutes during your commute, carve out 30 minutes to listen to the news it's important for us to to manage ourselves through this and sticking with routines is so important and then give yourself mental and physical space separation what i mean by that is a lot of us are not accustomed to sitting at a desk and then getting up in five seconds later being in your home and then i see my laptop over there should i be responding to it should i can i ignore it set those norms uh, in your own environment and manage your own change through that. Uh, The third thing, Denise mentioned it, I am a tech head. I have to talk about tools really quickly. Let's quickly jump through this. Make sure you've got reliable tools. I know IT departments are working feverishly to make sure VPN bandwidths are adequate and, and that new tools are being deployed to you on a regular basis, use them. Uh, When you're in meetings, use virtual whiteboard tools like Mural to make sure that you can communicate and work together effectively. Use your cloud-based content management systems, whether it's the Microsoft Suite or Google or Slack, make sure you've got a good place to store and communicate, store content and communicate. Zoom and Teams for conference calls are fantastic because I need to be able to see you, so engage in that way. And then give people time. This is the important, this is the human element of the tools again, give people time to learn them, give people time in meetings to adjust to them, right? Every meeting starts with, can you hear me now? Every meeting starts with, can you see my desktop? Factor that in, it's going to be even more prevalent right now, so make sure people understand how to use these tools, so give yourself time. Fourth is around support. Let's make sure that we give each other technical support, <laughs> that your teams are set up to, to reach out to your employees, and silence does not mean that everything's working fine. Have proactive reach out to your, to your teams and make sure that, they're, uh, that the tools are working the way you expect them to. But then also take a long look at supporting people as their processes uh, evolve. Look, we've all worked from home one to three days a week, right? We've all checked email during those days, we've written a document or two, we've done what we've needed to. What happens when we're home full time? What happens when that first monthly process hits you and you realize, holy cow, I used to do this with someone at my side. I used to do this using potentially a tool that's now in your office and you hadn't thought about bringing it home with you. Whether it's a monthly close for finance or something else, how are you going to do that? deal with that? Think ahead right now as to what's coming in the next two to three weeks and get ahead of that. Talk to your manager. Be proactive. And as a manager, make sure you listen. And there's no judgment here. This is a real situation. Let's help each other through that and think ahead as to what other processes are going to be coming your way. And then the last thing I'll close with, Danny, I know I've been rambling on and on, is intentional. Not at all. Not culture. at all. <laughs> the the last thing is intentional remote culture. This is probably the most human element of everything that I've been talking about. Look, we're sitting in one chair at one desk. I can't even get up and walk to a conference room, right? Or knock on someone's door. And what I'm seeing is back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back meetings, right? They're virtual. Let's all just join another call. Let's all talk to each other. That's great, but we're locked in place. So let's let's soften that that impact hold regular non-work related meetings with your team right chat i'm hearing about all kinds of virtual happy hours happening uh where people are just sitting back some are on patios some are indoors but we're talking about non-work related events let's talk about non-covid related events Right? What are you doing as a family? What board games are you, are the most exciting? What are you binging on? Let's talk about that as a team. Those water cooler groups don't exist. Another thing to do is instead of just also just meeting on things, what if we set up uh, teams? Whether it's Microsoft Teams or Slack, and building up channels, places where people can just contribute thoughts. What movies are you watching? What books are you reading? Right? It allows us to decompress every now and again and jump into a chat environment and share ideas that way. And then the last thing, Denny, that I'll mention is how about something simple? Start every meeting with how are you doing? And that isn't just, oh, I'm fine. And people, I always challenge people, like, what's the most, what's the most interesting word you could use, right, in a time like this? Is good the right answer? I'm great. I'm persevering. This was the word I was using as the word of the week last week, and so. But again, it's the human contact that we all need as we have placed these digital barriers between ourselves. So, let's keep that in mind and use the tools to enable contact as opposed to limiting them.
2: Well, thank you. That's that's very helpful. I think it, it there's an interesting dynamic or almost paradox that's raised here. Um, And, Denise, you described, you know, you have to be ready as an organization to switch things back on that you switched off before and to turn off the things that you had to turn on in in the event of this disruption, you know, and uh, turning them back on in order to do business. Uh, But, Kai, you're also talking in a way about this changes everything. Uh, This is going to change organizations Dramatically, when you know, let's say uh, the the epidemic, uh, the pandemic subsides in the next, pick a number, four months, three months, whatever, six months. Um, People are going to come back, and they're not going to be the same as they were when they left work, if you will. Denise, could you talk a little bit, and then Kai, you about, you know, what does the what? How do you manage, and how do you? ...organize yourselves as a company when your employees are coming back having been steeply trained in an entirely different way of working. What do you keep? What do you discard? How do you, you know, make the most out of what was a situation that demanded a lot of perseverance, as Kai said?
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll go the positive and say that, you know, we we figured out how to be resilient. And I think bringing that term resilient is as is, is part of your, um, you know, coming back and trying to get to a, what is the new normal. So I would say there's two things that come to mind. One is... Um, is to acknowledge and whether it's you know having a professional counselor or giving tools to the managers is to acknowledge that we've just been through a big impact and that um, you know you may not have been sleeping as well um, you know that's you know that things just weren't normal. So one is to acknowledge it. The second is is to turn that, Um, thinking and say well what did we find during that time when we everybody worked for home for for that that amount of time what did we find out that worked really well Um, so when you decompress what's the kind of lessons learned what did we learn Um, what can we we were doing four steps in this process and we figured out we could lean it out a little bit and just do three steps so give some people give them some exciting things to do about you know process improvement is what the consulting term we would put on top of it but just how did you do the i'll use i was born and raised on a farm so i'll use a farm term how do we make the good gooder um so of what we did in that very different operation what went really well and focus on that and then what would we like to change so the plus delta um, of a lessons learned I think you can kind of turn, first acknowledge that it was difficult and um, that there might be some long-term impacts for folks, but also then turn it into a learning experience. Kai?
2: Terrific. Kai, from your perspective, uh, what is the new normal when you go back to work? Uh, people have yeah. changed. This, is, this, is, this changes everything.
0: It, it, it does change everything, and what, what I find interesting and, and as a very good positive indicator is that these conversations are starting right now. Uh, I was on the phone with a CIO yesterday, and he said, the bell for remote work has been rung. I don't think you'll ever be able to unring it. And now what are we going to do with it? And Denise, uh, you hit on on key elements of that. So the way we look at it from a future work perspective is, we look at the whole workplace together and and it really breaks down into four components. There is the human side of it. What does this do to our workforce composition and cultural shifts within our organization, right? Well, can we suddenly, with these remote capabilities, source people, find talent in areas that we've never been able to reach out to before because we didn't know how to bring them into our organization? Uh, it allows us to um, have new Competitive advantages, I think, as an organization to keep people within the organization. A lot of people look at remote work as a perk. This has forced our hands and and, and made us go into that direction and, and add that as a component of our work environment. The second element is the machine or the business processes. Denise, you already had on this, right? What an opportunity to, to take all the learnings of our, of our people and ask them, so what did you do differently? Where did you find opportunities? And then codify that. That's awesome on the physical front our our offices are empty right now what a it's an opportunity again to reevaluate how much of a footprint we need do we need as much space i know a company here in seattle was just discussing building a six-story tower to augment their environment or their their physical workspace that can potentially be off the books like what <laughs> how can we use hoteling now in a space environment and optimize and then the last one is on the digital front that's the fourth component of the workplace, and that is all about, well, uh, we're putting Band-Aids in right now to help people work from home. There's initiatives underway, or we're underway, around cloud-based solutions. Let's move to those aggressively. Let's make sure our infrastructure is out there. Let's rationalize our software sets. So I think there's there's great opportunities on all fronts, and I am excited that, that leaders are already thinking about that. So that's where I see things heading.
2: Well, Denise Barnt, Kai Andrews, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. And I want to thank Point B, longstanding, highly regarded member of our consortium for making your expertise available to our to our members today. I do have a one last question that I want to drop to each of you or to both of you, and that is um, what would you like to do differently when you get to go back to work um, you know, in the old fashioned way? What are some of the things that you started thinking about that would constitute your future of work, Denise, start with you.
1: Oh boy, um, that's a great question, and now I'm trying to buy some time to, to answer it. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's um, connecting with people um, at a, at a deeper level. Um, I think if anything this has told has taught me, Um, when it is uh, not just to ask that, how are you doing, Um, but make sure you connect with people on a much more deeper level, whether it's about work or their family. Um, So, you know, time alone um, has been fine. I'm in a little basement apartment and, you know, just being able to connect with people on that deeper level, whether it's about work or about themselves.
0: Great. Kai, what about you? Yeah, denny am i cheating if i just say ditto <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh it is it's extremely relevant and i'll just stick with my theme here as we're going through this i it's interesting how i was on a conference call the other day with one of our our leaders one of my colleagues and um i noticed behind her she had rubber ducks positioned. all of a sudden they weren't there before but they were starting to pop up and and I asked her about them because, uh, lo and behold, on my desk, oh, we don't have video, I've got some rubber ducks right here. And so it was kind of funny how we're connecting um, on a personal level, and we need to keep driving that forward. And to be able to do that face-to-face again uh, with a high-five or an elbow bump is going to be really refreshing, so I'm looking forward to that.
2: Well, thank you. I, I would just say from my experience, I'm committed to making my video conferences Uh, much more personalized, you know, I think we have to, if we're, if we're forced to resort to technology, we need to personalize it more. We've been, you know, making our offices better at being digital environments, but we now have to make the digital environments at home a more personal environment. And uh, I think the meeting that I had earlier today, and that I'll have again next week, is going to be one where I get to see everyone's face on my on my screen and get people comfortable with with working in this manner. Most of folks like to turn off their their cameras, and I think turning on the cameras is a good thing. Um, I was surprised to see how many people are starting to do it more than were doing it earlier. So, right. I think this changes everything. And I want to thank you both again, um, and I want to thank Point B, and I want to wish you. Uh, Safe travels, or safe isolation, or safe working from home, or whatever would be the proper, the proper, uh, you know, sort of salutation. But thank you for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you both in the real world
0: when the opportunity presents itself. That sounds fantastic, Denny. Thank you, and thank you, Denise. It was fun.
1: Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Much appreciated.
0: Stay safe. If you would like to learn more.
2: About working remotely and the future of work, please visit pointb.com forward slash blog, where you'll learn more about what we have spoken about
0: today. Thank you for listening to
1: our podcast today. For more information on the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium and other podcasts, please go to our website, mahealthdata.org, where you can find more information and upcoming events. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook.